Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast where we talk about the Bible and Jesus and each other. That's right. We actually go through the Bible reading from the previous week. And uh, if you're reading through the Bible with us, you can find that Bible reading on our website at fbcj.us. But if you're just reading the Bible, uh, we highlight uh, particular points. And today, today, we are going to be highlighting Numbers chapter 25 through the first two chapters of Deuteronomy. Psalm 34 through 36, Proverbs 11, uh, the end of Proverbs 11, end of Proverbs 12, Mark chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. So that is the Bible reading we are looking at for today. Uh, but there are many, uh, you know, if you're just getting, if you're new to the Understanding Jesus podcast and you're like, well, that's not what I'm reading, you can go back through our repertoire of mm-hmm. Understanding Jesus podcast podcast episodes and find uh, where we were talking. We've already done a full right. year. So whatever you're reading in the Bible, we've covered it. And some people don't know this, but if you go and find our podcast on our website and you think, wow, I don't remember um, exactly what was said, but I remember I liked it when that one person was on there. You can search by participants in the podcast. Really? Wow. I didn't yeah. know that. It's true. Yeah. You can, and it will line up and you think, wow, I just, I remember Josh was in it. Which, if it's from this season, it's been every episode. But yeah. if it's from last year, it's only a couple of them. So you can yeah. go back and search Josh. And Josh was elevated from guest to co-host. Co-host. And I am here. I haven't said anything yet, but hello, everyone. He's joined us. So. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, so yeah. anyway, there's a lot of he functionality. Check out our website, fucj.us. Well, when we come back, we are going to um, look at what we've discovered in the reading and share devotionally. We have returned after the break, and we are here to talk about our devotional moments. That's right. In this week's reading. If we had sponsors, there would have been a lot of commercials just then, but yeah. as of right now, it's just a little bit of music. This is a crowdfunded uh, project. That's right. You don't what you, what you don't realize when you're listening to podcasts is when we say we're going to take a break, we actually do take a break. But yeah. for you, it goes pretty quick. <laughs> this it, we could yeah. we could be between, but you like, can press pause and we don't you know and we would never know. We, we so never it's like know. this weird time continuum. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, I'm starting today, so um, I'm going to focus on. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to take us back to Numbers 25, where it says, "Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove." And the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab, Moab, not Moab, Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Mm. Now, here's the thing. God had refused to curse Israel when their enemies came against them. And, and if you remember the story of Balaam. Balaam is called by... Um, Balak, I think, and uh, and so they go up and and he says, "Hey, I want you to look at Israel." First, it's a whole story. Balaam refuses to go. Uh, then he goes, and uh, and there's actually some uh, some good questions as to what in the world is going on with Balaam and his donkey. Uh, but his donkey refuses to move, and then the donkey's mouth is loose, and the donkey begins to talk to him. And then Balaam talks back to the donkey, and uh, there's an angel in the way. And then he sees the angel, and he and but the angel lets him go on. 
And so he goes on and he's told to curse Israel. And so uh, he won't do it. He said, God won't curse Israel. I can't curse what God doesn't curse. And God blesses Israel three times and refuses to curse uh, Israel, instead curses his enemy, their enemies. So so you have this huge story about how God goes way out of his way to keep this Balaam guy from uh, cursing Israel and blessing Israel. And then it's all for naught because the people of Israel don't uh, go ahead and and uh, disobey God anyway. And so, uh, it, and so in response to God's blessing, Israel commits adultery against God and turns to the gods of the people who God cursed. This is the thing that always baffled me is that, okay, God's cursing this group of you, blessing you, gives you military victory, and then you start to worship their gods mm-hmm. that have already failed them. <laughs> And you think, how crazy is that? And then you realize, oh, wait a second. That's exactly what we do on a regular basis. The very things that are killing the people around us, we indulge ourselves in those things. And we see people whose lives are made so much worse by money and the world and politics or whatever. And we see these things don't satisfy and don't give people what they want. And we all talk about it. We all recognize it. And then we pursue those things with vehement passion uh, instead of pursuing God. We look at people who pursue God and think, oh, look how peaceful their lives are and how much joy they have. Look at their kids, how well-balanced they are. That looks amazing. I think I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go the other direction. I'm going to try something that's never worked in all of history. And uh, and yet, that's, that's, <laughs> that is the nature of us because it appeals to our... Um, our sensibilities, I guess, our senses, our pleasures, or whatever. But the crazy part is, is that, and we all know this from from a very young age. The crazy part is, uh, when you give sugar to a baby, I, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but when you like dip, when a baby's never had sugar before, and you like dip your finger in sugar and put it in their mouth, the look on their face of pleasure when they finally taste sugar for the first time—it's an amazing thing that never goes away. <laughs> yeah, it's like I really like that you have you've given me these mixed blended apricots or whatever, <laughs> and or green beans mashed up to a, a, a state of unrecognizability, and now. And there's been this all along? There's been sugar? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the problem. Sugar will kill you. <laughs> if you eat only sugar, we're not hummingbirds. Uh, we have a metabolism that requires other nutrients and so forth. And God knows this. Yet, uh, we know eating massive amounts of sugar over and over again. So we so we, we get this love for sugar as children. So when people put broccoli before us again and strained carrots or whatever it is, we don't, those things don't appeal to us anymore. We're like, no, yeah. bring me the sugar. Give me the sugar. That's all I want. In fact, I love seeing it in my grandchildren. All they, it's like, can I have something sweet? Can I have a treat? Can I have a cookie? Can I, you know, this mm-hmm. is their eyes light up, ice cream, all the things that have sugar in them, mm-hmm. um, they want. And you say, well, how about broccoli? And it's like, they don't go, oh yeah, broccoli would be much better than ice cream. Because that's the nature of, uh, of things that, you know, of taste and so forth. But here's the thing. When you will discipline yourself. And you will choose to eat broccoli or you choose to eat the things that are healthy for you. You actually acquire a taste for them. And I, I, I'm going somewhere with this point. The, uh, when, you, when we discipline ourselves to focus upon the things that God desires, our desires change to match his desires. And now we are satisfied by the things that are healthiest for us. But it is a work of discipline. And so sin just appeals to our laziness and and to our base desires and so forth, which will kill us or destroy us. Uh, and we all know it. Uh, but again, 
it's uh, I mean we just have we are told the wages of sin are death and and so we are tempted by our, our it's like our bodies crave death they desire death and uh, and so they are they are they are leading us down that path of a path of destruction uh, and when we indulge in sin we may not immediately die but we do trade the fragrant aroma of victory in Jesus for the stench of death mm. so. Just to carry the analogy, last night my oldest son Reese was having a—he had a belly ache, mm. or so he said—and um, it, it was making him having a hard time eating dinner. So he ate about a quarter of his dinner, and he said, "My belly hurts." And and I said, "Well, it's okay. I mean, you don't have to finish your food, right? I mean, if you're hurting." And he said, "Okay." And he kind of looks down. He says, "Can I have a treat, and, like <laughs> Skittles from the from the pantry?" And a good and me being a good dad, of course, gave him the skittles right away. No, I don't give him <laughs> the thing that's going to hurt him worse. Right. You know, I'm I'm gonna say, you know, give what I take what I give you, or you know, in in his case, he actually did continue to eat and he felt a lot better. Right. And um, yeah, and we do that. We yeah. were like, ah, I'm I'm already getting hurt by this, and right. I'm just gonna continue to ask for more punishment. It's. I, I wrote down that uh, whenever we choose not to worship with God's people, we choose to worship with the damned, and um, and I, I think that we we have a we have this thing in us when we are looking at one opportunity to pursue God along with other people who are pursuing God. Once we've turned away from that, the only other option is to worship with uh, people whose fate is uh, to be estranged from God forever, and so. Um, and, and I mean, we do it. It happens all the time. We've always done it. We will always do it. And so uh, it's like that's why he constantly tells us to wake up and to be aware of our surroundings and what we're doing and, and just know the truth. It, it's like, you know, if you choose to engage in behavior, that's going to kill you. Uh, you can do that. You have the freedom to do that. But you do need to be aware that that's the choice you've made. Yeah. Sweet. OK, <clears throat> so. Track with me. I'm about to bounce around the Old Testament. Whoa. Not really, just Deuteronomy and Genesis. Now uh, think about it. That's still pretty good. <laughs> but I'm about to bounce around, so just follow with what I'm saying. I'm in Deuteronomy 1, um, 2, and 3. Um, and it says, It is 11 days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandments to them. So, why is this important? Well, check out the consequences for sin. Um, it is an 11-day journey from where Israel started to where they needed to be. Um, and then they were stuck um, in this, this wilderness for 40 years. And so check out the consequences for sin. They did not follow the Lord like he asked them to. And so instead of taking 11 days to get where they needed to, they circled around for 40 years, which is a long time. <laughs> I've only been alive for 21, and I just can't imagine living my entire life in the wilderness. Um, but, I mean, this is what some people do. People who are not Christians, this is what they do. But in the midst of this um, – but hold on, let me say this real quick. Just look at how much our sin sets us back and separates us from God, from what he wants us to do. Um, but even in the midst of this, um, we see that that Jesus fulfills his promises um, 
in disobedience. Um, and so, yeah, it says here in Deuteronomy 110, the Lord, your God has multiplied you and behold, you are today as numerous as the stars in heaven, which is a direct fulfillment of Genesis 5:15, which says after these things, uh, or 15, five, sorry. Uh, and he brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So, so God fulfilled his promise. Uh, and, and it continues in Deuteronomy two, seven, um, which says, um, these 40 years, the Lord, your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. So, so God is, is good. He's, um, he keeps his promises. He protects his people, even in the midst of disobedience. And it just reminds me of, of Joseph when, when his brother sold him into slavery mm. and he said what you meant for evil God meant for good and so what Israel even in them being evil God meant for good he fulfilled his promises and his purpose is still was still being fulfilled and we see that through that line of Israel they came into the promised land now it may not have been the people who were being disobedient but he fulfilled his promises and as we see that continue throughout this storyline of the Old Testament it comes to Jesus and now it's us who are continuing to continually being disobedient um, and our sin sets us back. It sets us apart from God, uh, and yet He still loves us. He fulfills us, and if we're in Christ, then we're covered by His blood. And I just think that's a incredible story of God's character, of providence and love and power. And um, yeah, hmm. He's not like a human because we would have given up immediately. We we would have given up on these people. And that was something I, I was studying this week. Is um, we can't put God in a human box. We, we can't allow ourselves to not think of him as holy because if we do, then we humanize him and we would, we think God separates us and that he'll never talk to us again because we're, we hold grudges as humans. We're, we're not gracious. We're not merciful. Hmm. Uh, and this example here in Deuteronomy 1, 1, 2 is just that, that he loves and he cares and he's wise and he's righteous and he's merciful and great. I mean, everything we are not, right. he is. And it was just such a cool school, a cool picture to see throughout the whole story of scripture, but magnified here in the first chapter of Deuteronomy. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a habit of putting, projecting onto God, my own yeah. um, thinking that uh, he's going to feel this way about me and others the mm-hmm. same way I feel about me right, and others. Right. Well, get this. So I project on me things that are just are of God's mind. Oh, yeah. Right? I do the opposite, too, where mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, if I'm thinking this, and that must be how God's do, right, you know, right. yeah, because exactly. I, I put godliness on myself when it doesn't mm-hmm. always it really I'm doesn't so belong there. I'm so holy like him. I'm yeah, so set apart. Right. And it's this, like, is, this must be how, how yeah. God would do it, right? Because. Yeah. Because um, I'm so much like God. I'm and I so think much that's like the danger God, right? that American or Westernized Christian culture is doing. They're they're saying, yeah, God is holy, but He would act like this. When you remove that that reverence, that holiness for God, then you remove God's. I mean biggest characteristic of holiness yeah. um, that he is set apart he's not like us he's not like the world he's not like anything else because he is god I, I mean if you lose that then you really lose a lot about god and that's just really really important to, to probably realize. i think that's why it says is the fear of the lord's the beginning of mm-hmm. wisdom because if you start with anything else as your initial given right you know like in geometry you take plain geometry and you've mm-hmm. got like you have to prove this given this mm-hmm. well if you start with like god is love right then you're going to end up in a different space yeah. than if you start with fear of the Lord right. and go on from there. Right, um, right. You're going to end up with two different versions of God. One of them's true, and one of them probably looks a lot like yourself. Right. Um, so that's cool. It's yeah. cool. Cool, cool. 
All right, I'm going to I'm going to jump down just a couple verses in Deuteronomy uh, 1. It's kind of verses 21 to 27. I don't have to read them read them all, but Deuteronomy is like three sermonettes given by Moses to his people, right? And um, just this in this first one, he's like giving them their history and he just tells he just reminds them, "Hey guys, remember that time when you were at uh, Kadesh Barnea and uh, God told us to go ahead into the promised land? Y'all remember that about yeah. 40 years ago?" And um, and I said, and the Lord said, go ahead and, and, and take it. And then you guys said, hey, let's send in spies. And the spies came back and you said, eh, I don't really want to. See, remember how we got here? Yeah, that's how we got here. Um, and I just, I, I was looking at just this section, right? And it says, um, in verse 21, it says, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and take possession of it. That's the command. That's that's simple command that they should be able to follow. They've been following stuff. Um And then in verse 22, very next verse, it says, Then all of you approached me, Moses, to the people, and said, Let's uh, do this. And they give him like an alternate plan, or they like Mm -hmm. add to the plan, right? right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we don't outright reject what God says. We just kind of put our own little spin on it. Mm -hmm. And we say, well, God said to do this, but it would be smart to kind of do it this way, which is – you know, at face value, just a, just a, just a little bit different. Let's. I'm just adding. I'm not going to deny what God says right at first, right? But then at the, you know, they go on, they they grumble, they doubt, and then in verse 27 it says um, they have this impression that God now hates them. <laughs> it's like three verses later that it went from go take possession of this land I've given you, you're going to have victory in all that you do, to God hates us because He brought us here to die, like. All, the only thing that changed from verse 21 to verse 27 hmm. was that the people injected their own spin on what God told them to do. And I just feel like we do that so often. And we get this impression of God, kind of like you were saying, Josh, we have this like impression of God mm-hmm. that is faulty, but it's not God that's faulty. It's the fact that we took what he said to do and threw on our own. And a lot of times it's like religious talk. A lot of times it's, oh, well, God told us to feed the hungry, right? So, okay, well, we're going to do it this way mm-hmm. as opposed to just what God said to do. And oh, right. he said right. to um, give justice to the widow. Um, so, well, okay, so then we're going to do it around this way and not just immediately do what he says. Right. And then we get ourselves into all kinds of trouble and have these views of God that aren't true. And um, and I think we're not – I was talking to somebody today um, at how similar we are to Israel – but we're we're a little worse off, I think, in a lot of ways, because though Israel really just turned their back on God completely for times, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right. We should know better. They had they had no Holy Spirit to guide them. They had big acts of God, but they didn't have like what we have today, and him, we still managed to mess him it up. dwelling within us. Him dwelling within us, yeah, and we still yeah. managed to make similar mistakes to them back then. So. I just it's like we were just saying like we put human characteristics on God we fight God logic with human logic and say this is the most logical way to get this completed so great and then we mm-hmm. run with that plan instead of running with God said do it and so we should have done it right you know? right I think it's yeah we're, it's not a complicated formula you just have to actually just do it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just do it that sounds that'd be a good we should be brand a good, that'd be a good yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody's used that. No, we could so. put that on a T-shirt. The joke not, is, I'm is not that, in the world enough to know. The joke <laughs> is, is that someone does use that in case you're unaware. Nike, for our listeners, I know we all get it. Nike but. is, oh wow, is a, a Greek god which we don't ascribe to. So yeah, that's right. I'm talking about the sports brand. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. You got something else, Troy? For people who haven't heard of Nike. 
That's, that's that, is that a big contingency in our group? Maybe. Or I mean, I'm just one of the biggest marketing comp- campaigns. If, if anybody is listening, and we know that thousands of people are listening right now. If anybody's listening, is. if you have never heard of Nike, this was the first time you ever exposed that, please send us a message. We would love well, to know that. Please I'm sure love they've to heard know of Nike. I'm just, I don't know if they've heard of a just a I used to own a hat that was orange and it had a Nike switch on it that said, just do it. And I wore it everywhere. Yeah, and and so therefore, therefore everyone everyone knows. knows. Right? Okay. Exactly. Obviously, Perfect. people are Great. thinking. I didn't until Daniel wore that hat. Yeah, I then, spread the word. I was a poster child. Right. Wow. Right. Mm-hmm. If only you do that for the gospel. I was about to say the same thing. Jesus, juke. <laughs> I'm about to with our new logo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm in Psalm 35. <laughs> And uh, David is uh, is, uh, praying for victory, but he takes a moment to share about his enemies. And he says, malicious witnesses come forward. They question me about things I do not know. They repay me evil for good, making me desolate. Yet when they were sick, my my, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer was genuine. I went about mourning as if for my friend or brother, I was bowed down with grief like one mourning for a mother. But when I stumbled, they gathered in glee. They gathered against me. Assailants I did not know tore at me and did not stop. With godless mockery, they gnashed their teeth at me. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue me from their ravages. Rescue my precious life from the young lions. Um, you know, David really did. I mean, this, is, uh, this isn't one of those things that you have to look very far in David's life to see this actually played out. Because when Saul was uh, coming after David... He did, he had such honor in how he dealt with uh, his enemies and attackers, and he um, and Saul was seeking his life, was jealous of him. You know, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had been upon Saul, and then uh, he lost the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit was upon David, which was kind of an anointing, an empowerment uh, that was given to leaders of God at that po- in, in the Old Testament. And so uh, God removed his spirit from Saul, put it upon David, and as a result, Saul began to hate David. And yet David did nothing but good for Saul and was so loyal to him and so supportive of him. And Saul hunted him down like an animal. And even in those moments when Saul, when God, it would seem, delivered Saul into his hands, David would not touch him or, or do anything uh, to him. Uh, and I, I just I just put down how our Lord has taught us to have compassion on people who will not do the same for us. And when we do good for people, they will not necessarily return the favor. There are going to be times when we be stabbed in the back, betrayed. People that we care about are going to let us down. We're going to be maligned, mistreated. People who will seek to overthrow us and thwart our plans, no matter how noble or godly our intentions, uh, they're going to try to tear us down. The thing we have to remember is that's how they treated our Lord. Mm-hmm. Not only did they treat David like that. Jesus was the epitome of that. Jesus did nothing but seek the welfare of people and seek to, he's bringing salvation to people. He's trying to help people to escape eternal damnation and give them eternal life. And they not just, didn't just persecute him. They killed him and, uh, and executed him in public in the most, in the fiercest, worst, most violent way. And, uh, and, and yet as they're doing it, still he cried out to, for, for, his father to forgive them uh, because they don't know what they are doing. And, and that's, you know, and I have to remind myself on a regular basis, that's the attitude I have to have. Mm-hmm. You know, Stephen exemplified that as a follower of Jesus Christ, as they're stoning him to death, you know, to not to lay this against them or whatever, but uh, the guilt against them. And, you know, it's, it's so hard to keep that attitude. 
But uh, you try to remember what Paul says, that we're not battling against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And the spirit of this age inhabits people. And so the, the, the hatred that the enemy of God has for God is spewed through the mouths and actions of just um, ignorant people. And and so they're they're just un, whether they're willing or unwilling, he just he has the ability to use them and to manipulate them to carry out his bidding. Uh, and we are only freed from that being a puppet of Satan. We're the only way we can be freed from being his puppet is to surrender ourselves to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and and then we become slaves of Christ. But uh, what a much more gracious puppeteer, so to speak. So uh, to be empowered by uh, loving the and and that's why he differentiates the fruit of the, of the the world, the fruit of the enemy. Here's what it looks like when Satan is the one driving your life, and here's what it looks like when the Spirit of God is controlling your life, and so much better. Uh, we were designed to be um, instruments of God. So, anyway. Mm, cool. Yeah, very cool. Well, my next one is in Mark 16, verse 5. A super simple point, but... Um, there's so much beauty in this simplicity. So Mark 16, 5 um, is right after Jesus has risen, um, and they are uh, Mary and, well, yeah, they're, they're coming to see Jesus' body right. to prepare it. Um, and so they enter the tomb, and there's a young man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Verse 6 says, And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Um, and there's so much just like power in these words that this angel is speaking he says do not be alarmed number one he's assuring them of peace like do not be afraid he's bringing peace and then he says you seek jesus of Nazareth." number one he's assuring them that that they're in the right spot that they're looking for the right thing and then number number three is he is risen he's not here it's the assurance of power of god um and and that's it i mean that's that's literally it this verse has these three beautiful truths um, about Jesus. He's peaceful, he's powerful, and he is the one that that they're Mm. looking for. Um, And it's so simple that I have nothing else to say about it. It's just so (laughs) so beautiful. It's simple, uh, and and that's the beauty beauty of Jesus. He's simple, and he's beautiful, and yet so complex. Mm. Um, And that's it. Mm. Cool. Yeah, it's good. I don't have anything to add to it either. <laughs> I'm afraid to add it. <laughs> right. Cool. All right. Well, um, my last thing is in Psalm 34. Um, love the Psalms. And um, Oh, this is such a good Psalm. Uh, yeah. Um, in verse 15, it just says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. And I was talking to somebody today at the local coffee shop, and um, he said, he asked me, about the difference between the old and the new covenants because he's had this tension in his mind and heart about how he's a believer, um, has been for a while. Um, but he has this tension about like God's feeling towards people. Um, when the old Testament says things like this versus, um, what we believe about like Jesus covering our sins, like God doesn't look at our sins anymore, but yet we still like see that God, wants you to be righteous. So like, he's wondering how that works out in the new covenant age. Right. And, mm-hmm. and just what I just, what this came to mind, uh, just in talking to him. Um, but just how 
um, yes, like God's there's there's just a difference between God's love, acceptance, and care, right? Which is offered to us blanketly with Jesus at at the at the head of it. Like there's this umbrella that's Jesus. So when God looks at us, He sees Him, and whatever we do under the umbrella can't stop God's love from getting to us. Like God will accept us regardless of our of of our um, of our actions of our sins. Because of Jesus's righteousness, right? That's that's what I count on. But there is a difference between that and his favor and like his guardianship of us um, in the world. Because as I mean, because the Psalms are still true, right? Mm-hmm. The whole Bible is still true. Some of it you have to look at it from a Jesus filtered lens, but the Psalms you don't really have to do that. So when it says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry for help, we're like distinguishing between the righteous and the unrighteous here. Uh, because you can have an unrighteous, Christ, unrighteous acting believer in Christ, who is who 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 may go to heaven, but doesn't have God's earthly favor or earthly protection on earth for what they're doing, and um, and so anyway, this this um, this guy just just had questions about that, and I was just it was encouraging for me to be able to say, to to give him assurance of salvation still, yet yet. Um, encourage him to into good works into into pursuing righteousness because it is it is a good promise that we have that if we pursue righteousness the lord will have our back in all things now that doesn't mean bad things won't happen but that he's he views that as an injustice that he will take care of um so um i guess just the main the main thing is just pursue righteousness and you'll at least at the very least if bad things happen when you're being righteous then the lord will back you mm. where you remove yourself from that covering if you're acting unrighteously and something bad happens yeah yeah seek first the kingdom of god yep. and his righteousness yeah okay i think we have a couple questions going in all right to the questions so we're going to take a breather and be right back Joined us for the question and answer segment. I think we have three questions, if yes. I'm not mistaken, and I'm really excited to hear the answers. I'm going to turn it over to Josh, who's going to ask the first question. Yes. Okay. Um, so Mark 14:25. Uh, it's where we get um, communion from. But there's something that Jesus says right at the end of this of this little section, um, and it says this, or he says this. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day. When I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Mm. So, what is Jesus talking about here? What when is he going to drink the fruit of the vine again? I, I'm a little confused on that. Um, he's he's talking about actually when he's his return. I mean, mm-hmm. when when he comes back from the dead. Uh, he, the, remember at this point that they are. Let me, let's go back to that passage. Let me find it. What, what did you say it was? Mark fourteen twenty five. Mark fourteen. Da, 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 da. Yes, and um, and he is. Um, He's talking about uh, that he is going to leave them um, and uh, and be crucified, uh, and they are not aware of this. And so he's saying, by the time I get back to you and we do this again, I will have died, resurrected, and been glorified. Uh, that he'll be have his new glorified body and come and and be ushering in the kingdom of God. There is a there's a uh, and that's why he said. 
and, and also, a lot of the things he would talk about are things that are coming up in the near future, mm-hmm. not not the second coming, but in like the destruction of Rome, uh, destruction of Jerusalem by Rome, for instance, in AD 70. A lot of things he was talking about would be then when people would be scattered and, and mm-hmm. be thrown out of Jerusalem and so forth. The, um, the, the, the thing that we – the term that we use over and over again is what we call the already not yet tension of the kingdom of God, meaning when Jesus – comes he brings to us he ushers in the kingdom of god and and so it is here it is present we we talk about the kingdom of god existing right now in our midst uh, we are part of the kingdom of god we are living within the kingdom of god but it's not complete and it won't be complete until one the gospel has to go out into all the world he tells us that that everybody has the opportunity to hear uh, when the gospel is taken to all the world uh, and in the fullness of time, um, and basically it is, if you think about it like this, God has, uh, he knows all of us, and he has children he's waiting to bring into his kingdom. He's waiting for every single one of his children uh, to be saved, so that, um, and then he will return and, and bring it to an end. Uh, as we get closer and closer and tribulation gets greater and greater, uh, the groaning for that ending uh, begins to take effect. That's, of course, the book of Revelation begins to share with us how all that unfolds. Uh, and it's so clear, crystal clear, exactly how it's going to all happen. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. That's a joke, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's called sarcasm. Um, in fact, it's 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 difficult. Uh, and people try to try to say, oh, this means this, and this means this, and this means this. But the reality is, is that all we know is he did come. He did say he was coming again. And he told us specifically that we do not know when that is going to happen. But here's what you need to do until I do come back. And so I wish people would hear that part. Uh, what we need to do until he comes back, that was made clear. Yeah. And so we're like kids in the car going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And God's in the front seat going, just do what I told you to do. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Before there was Nike, there was God. Um, so anyway, we're st- so there you have it. Um, so anyway, I, I think that's good enough for that. Yeah. Next question. Next question is in... Luke. Um, none of us are in Luke today, um, but I do have a question about um, why Mary, why Joseph, why were they chosen for this? Mm. Um, what's the importance? Why was why was Jesus? Um, yeah, why them? Why no them? Well, ultimately, nobody knows the answer to that question. I'm just going to say that only God <laughs> knows the answer to that question specifically. But if you're wondering uh, what, why God would choose, what, what, what part they play in the overall scheme of things, uh, there were some criteria that had to be met in order for Jesus to be born from particular people, and that means they had to be from the line of David. Um, that is the thing that was prophesied. It had to happen. Um, now, when you look back at the line of David, uh, wow, try to figure out why any of those people right. are in that genealogy. Uh, for any, All we know is this. God went all over the place and from every different background, but he was consistent in that they are from the tribe of Judah, 
and uh, and David comes from the tribe of Judah, and David is given the promise that the heir to the throne, the Messiah, who will be the eternal heir to the throne, uh, will come from his line. And uh, and that's uh, it always makes me think of Return of the King um, when Aragorn comes from that broken line of of oh, kings yeah. and so forth, and how how the line is restored. Well, that's kind of how it was between David and Jesus. The line of kings was broken, and and it was like you just get to the feeling that that's never going to happen again. And so you have the steward of Gondor who's overseeing things, not wanting a king. They don't want a king at this point. They're like, we got it, we got it figured out. We don't want somebody to step in and do this. And uh, and then God's like, um, no, you need a king, <laughs> and 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 of course that's the the reason why Tolkien takes that line. He's basing it on scriptural truths. But the uh, but for us, the reality is is that Jesus is the the rightful heir, and come and so he needed a woman who had not known a man, uh, and uh, to be of that line, and and Joseph. Now as to why he chose Mary and Joseph, um. I, I don't know. I, I, why does he choose any of us? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's it's always a a message of I think people like to say there was something special about them, but there's nothing special about any of us. The, that's the whole message of the gospel. The only one who there was anything special about was Jesus, and he is the special one. And he makes and when he enters into our lives, he makes all of us special. I mean, the the thing is, is that what he did for Mary, what he did for Joseph. It, what he does for us is no less than that. Uh, I mean, he he chose us to house his Holy Spirit, and and to think that he comes upon each of us, un, unremarkable as we are, and says, "I want to extend my grace to you. I want to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, and and place my Spirit within you, and empower you to do good works that only I could do." Uh, who deserves that? And why would he choose any of us to do that? I, I think we, we, we talked about earlier in the podcast about how we try to attribute to God mm-hmm. things that, feelings that we have. And so we're always looking for something in somebody to say, oh, this is why they deserve that. Mm-hmm. And God's message over and over again is like, there is nothing in you. There is not anything good in you. There's, you're not going to come up with a reason why I chose to put my spirit in you, uh, and uh, and that's like with Sam, when Samuel was trying to choose David, uh, he was like he looked at all his brothers and thought, oh, these are such great candidates. This is the one. This is the one. And God's like, you don't see what I see. You don't look at you don't look at people like I look at people. And um, and I, I you know when he says he looks for a man, he's looking for a man after his own heart. Uh, he is he is he is always uh, when Mary says, uh, I will. I will do what you ask me to do. And Joseph says, I will. I will do what you ask me to do. Uh, That's all that's required, just a willingness to be obedient. Cool. I have a question that came to us, and I'm not sure when, and I I – I don't know, but it was about James Less, and it came up in the thinking. And I think it may be in another passage uh, that re- reminds somebody of Mark 16. Uh, but um, but it was about a Mary, the Mary as they go to the the tomb. There's Mary of Magdalene. There's Mary, the mother of James, and Mary uh, and Salome. Uh, these three women. Uh, the 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 tomb story. Of each of the Gospels, there I I had somebody draw out one time, and they showed where everybody was um, was coming from, and so forth. Uh, and 
And so the idea was, is this Mary Jesus's mother? Because Mary had a son named James. Uh, well, this is not a easy, uh, there's not agreement in here. Um, but I'm just going to tell you what our best line of thinking is, is that the James that we are talking about here is James the Less. Now, when people use the expression James the Less, or, or use the less after it either meant they were younger or shorter or both. Uh, and so you would, you, and that's just because you're looking at somebody and go, oh, you're James the Greater uh, because of your prominence, uh, your age, or your size. And, uh, and so nobody, it's kind of like being called Junior. You're kind of like, eh, I'm not sure I like that. Uh, so James the, but you were trying to differentiate between, between two people with the same name. And amongst the disciples, there were two Jameses. And so you had James, uh, the son of Zebedee, who was extremely popular. And then you had James, the son of Alphaeus. And so James, the son of Alphaeus, was probably the James the less. And so this Mary possibly was Mary of Clopas. Uh, and, and so it was... Uh, probably her son that's James the Less. And again, we don't have a lot of verses here to connect these mm-hmm. dots. We're just saying these are some common out. This would make sense uh, to be in this vein of thinking and so forth. So uh, whenever you're looking at things, you're trying to compare it to saying, don't, don't automatically assume that somebody's got an answer because I could boldly say, oh, yes, this is Mary of Clopas and her son is James, the son of Alphaeus, and uh, and who also could be named uh, for other people who are similar named and so forth. But anyway, but I'm just I'm guessing because we don't know we don't have that information with us. But it does make more sense than other explanations because other explanations that are given have an ulterior motive, and it's either because of the theology about Mary that they're trying to protect, believing that Jesus didn't really have any brothers and sisters, that Mary didn't have any other children besides Jesus, and so if you're trying to insert that into your theology, well, then you're going to have a different explanation as to who the, the explanation of who these people are uh, is, has to fit that. I I believe that uh, James, the one who wrote the gospel, uh, the the book of James, or the letter from James, is the half brother of Jesus, and uh, and so and he is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. I don't believe other explanations to make him out to be a cousin or something to that effect. I believe James. I believe Mary and Joseph did have other children, and uh, and so Jesus did have brothers and sisters because there are scriptures that tell us that his brothers and sisters came. And when you try to explain those things away because you're trying to protect a theological understanding that's not grounded by the rest of scripture, that's just a dangerous place to be. I think we go to the word and say, what is the word saying to us? And then we make our theology based on what the word is saying, not the other way around. So, Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and you can always email us your questions. Um, we do love questions. You can just put our names in front of at fbcj.us um, or office at fbcj.us. And we're getting ready to go into the Gospel of Luke, and I love uh, the yeah, Gospel Luke. of Luke. So yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the, my favorite gospel. The Jesus movie is based, if you've never seen the Jesus movie, it's an older movie. Uh, I can't remember what year it came out, but back in the 80s or somewhere back in there. But um, it is no, but it's based on the Gospel of Luke. The, it, and so you'll you'll if you watch it, you'll be like, why don't they use this or use that? Well, it's it's strictly based on the Gospel of Luke, mm-hmm. but it's uh, I think it's been made into more languages than any other movie that's ever existed oh, and so forth but uh, incredibly evangelical tool uh, to uh, because you can order that movie in just about any language so if you have friends who speak a different language or the Jesus movie and uh, and, and it's, it's, a pow- it's a powerful witness so very cool yeah. alright well we will catch you all next time on Understanding Jesus see you later
Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If you would like more information on Understanding Jesus or First Baptist Church of Jackson or would just like to submit a question or comment, then you can call the church office at 573-243-8415 or you can email us at office at fbcj.us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.